Welcome back to Series 3 of the Big Sis Pod. We know you missed our topics and vivacious host, Karen Mason. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Big Sis Pod for 2019. I'm super excited to announce that this year we are becoming a weekly podcast. We listened to your feedback of wanting more, so here we are now on a weekly basis. And 2019, we are going to be stirring up the pot a little bit, spicing up the variety of our chats. So we're continuing with one-on-one style interviews, but we're also going to be adding in some group discussions and hitting the streets of Australia for you to have your say. So I hope that you love our topics as much as you did last year. Let's get this podcast started. I'm sure you've experienced this before. You've moved in with your lover and you're all loved up until the dreaded budget word comes up. If you need to have that budget chat with your other half, then listen in right now because Brianna McDermott from Fearless Female Traders, she promises to us all that it's not as scary as we think. (laughs) Welcome, Brianna. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's so good to have you here in the Melbourne studio. I really love the chats when we're face to face. So thanks so much for coming in. Not a problem. As a fellow Queenslander and Gold Coast girl at heart, it's nice to be in Melbourne together. It is, it is. And I, well, we never actually met in Queensland. No, but I know. It's all about online now. We All us female <laughs> entrepreneurs are all, you know, mixing somehow. So it's so great that we've connected. Now, before we get well into this particular topic, I want to just talk about your particular story and why you got so passionate about helping women talk about their budgets and also just a lifestyle choice of financial freedom. Yeah, I think a lot of us find ourselves at one point or another wanting and needing all of the things. It's so easy these days, especially with social media and with the digital land, to be, I guess, persuaded by lots of pretty things. And that's what I fell into. I was single. I was living in Sydney. I had a great job. And I also had three credit cards. And before I knew it... that's scary. (laughs) Three. Three. And, you know, I was in my early 20s. And I had a fabulous wardrobe. Don't get me wrong. It was great. (laughs) My social life was amazing. But behind it, I was really struggling with debt. And it kind of got to a point where I thought, wow, everything else in my life is going to plan. You know, my career is going really well. I'm really enjoying my life. But this is the one thing. It was almost like this shameful secret. And I knew I needed to do something about it. So Fearless Female Traders was born out of a dear diary moment where I thought I need to keep myself accountable. How am I going to keep myself accountable? I'm going to start writing about my financial journey. So it was about how I got myself out of this disgusting debt and how I forgave myself for getting myself in that debt, my investing journey, so how I learnt to invest in shares, how I bought my first house, how I sort of struggled with this budget back and forth, kind of like your summer diet. Is budget a dirty (laughs) word? Should we not be using budget? I think people assume the word budget is kind of like a diet. You know, there's (laughs) this notion that you'll go on it and then you'll eventually go off it again. So I look at a budget as fitting in with my lifestyle and not being just a list of constraints and a list of things that I can't do and I can't buy and I can't spend, but rather, how do I make my money work for me? You know, I don't want to sit around all day telling my dollars where to go. I want to make it easy. I want to save 
and I want to set myself up for the future. And that's really what Fearless Female Traders has become. It's this community of women empowering each other with the power of money. You know, let's not be scared about it anymore. Let's learn how to invest so that when we're 60 and we don't want to work anymore, we can retire on that island. We can enjoy that cocktail. We can buy that dress. We can, you know, enjoy living in a house that we own because we've done all of the right steps beforehand. And what an important time to be speaking about this and and really building your own tribe around that. Because for us in our generation, it's a no-brainer, you know, we're independent women and, and we're earning our own money. But really, I think a lot of women have still got the mindset from our parents or our grandparents around, you know, even that it's scary for women to have the money because it was always back in the day that the male was earning the money and that the women were actually dependent on the male. So, yeah, yeah, I think this is a really great time to Mm. be talking about it because we're used to having our own money now, but some of us have still got a little bit of a blockage. Would you agree? Oh, completely. I mean, I talked to my mum. She didn't work for 15 years when she was raising my brother and I. So something like her superannuation account is missing 15 years worth of contributions. And she now is looking down the barrel of having to work much longer in order to have the same amount of money as her male counterparts. You know, I ask her simple things like, well, what interest rate are you paying on your credit card? What's in your superannuation account? Do you have any investments in shares? And she sort of looks at me and goes, oh, it's too hard. I don't want to talk about it because that's what her mother did. Mm. So I think breaking the cycle and doing it now when we're in a generation and a collective of women is so powerful, I think we can make that change. I think we can break that habit of having a man as a plan. And that's just not the case anymore. And it doesn't matter as we're talking today about being in relationships and talking the budget chat. But, you know, it is great. This is going to be really good for whether you're independent and and flying solo at the moment or if you're in a relationship because it's still about budgeting and your tips today are going to help us really. But this one in particular is sort of talking about it with our partner, yeah? Exactly. And I think so many women, especially my girlfriend, say, oh, well, you've got it easy, Brie. You're married Therefore, you've got double the income and half the worry. My opinion is, is that being single and independent is probably the best time and the easiest time to get your money stuff sorted. Because as you said, when you've got a partner, that's double the voices and double the opinions when it comes to making a budget, which makes it really, really tricky. And also their money concerns or their blockages from what we were saying, you know, generational blockages as well. So there's two opinions coming in. Yeah. And that's certainly the case from my husband and I. You know, he comes from a very different financial upbringing than I did. Mm. And, you know, I write all the time about your money story, whether you like it or not, is actually rooted in in your childhood and how your parents dealt with money and how you saw money being handled as a child. And so for us, even though we grew up in the same town, we went to the same school, you know, we both kind of similar families, our money stories are completely different. Amazing. Okay, yeah. let's get into these <laughs> handy tips. We all need them. Yes. What's your first one? for Now, this is budgeting with your partner. Yes. So it's really important that when you are budgeting with your partner that you set time aside in order to have the conversation. Now, this might sound like something from a counsellor or a psychologist, but standing over the kitchen table whilst one person's cooking dinner and the, and the other person's trying to bathe a kid or feed the dog or whatever the case may be 
it's doomed. Always, always set time aside for it. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that you're signalling that it's an important conversation and um, you're putting everything aside to direct your attention to that conversation. And the second thing is you're more inclined to get through the conversation a lot faster if you're actually setting time aside. I'm not talking an hour. I'm talking 15 minutes, 20 minutes, perhaps at the dinner table when you're together or after, no TV on, etc. So you're both completely committed to that conversation. And with that, can I ask a question? Would you suggest like nighttime or are you a little <laughs> bit blurry or should you do it like at seven o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, <laughs> so you're really alert, not hungover, maybe? Uh, yes, a good idea. Look, sometimes it depends what kind of lifestyle you lead. For my husband and I, the nights are quiet. They're busy. You're tired. Perhaps you've had a crappy day. You just want to eat, watch some mind-numbing TV and then go to bed. So we try and do it on a weekend, perhaps on a Saturday afternoon when you're both relaxed and you don't have any other kinds of stress or things that might be circling in your mind. Okay, that's good to know. All right. (laughs) The second one is around once you've sat down together, the very, very, very first step is establishing your goals. So, you know, for my husband and I, they were very different. For me, when we first met, you know, I just paid off my debt. So for me, it was about saving. For him, at that point in time, it was about buying a house. So we were at completely different ends of our goal spectrum. So we had to meet in the middle. And that really brings out the compromise aspect of any relationship. That's not just about (laughs) budgeting. That is just about being in a relationship. So once we understood and vocalised to one another what each other's goals were, it became clear to us, okay, we're on different ends of the spectrum. That's not a bad thing, but it just means that we need to figure out where that middle point is. And everyone's going to be different. Mm -hmm. You're never going to have the exact same goals. And you know what? That's okay. You don't need to start an argument over it. Their goal isn't better or worse than yours. It's just different. Mm, So establishing those goals, perhaps writing them down and checking in with them is a good first step. The third step for me and my husband was writing a budget. So we were together four years before we got married. We were together four years and six months before we even shared our first account. Mm -hmm. So for us, that second step was writing down every single one of our expenses and co-creating a budget together. So as I was saying before, having a budget is not a constraint. It should not be handcuffs around your lifestyle. It should simply be a way to help you understand where your money comes in and where it goes out. Really, really, really simple. So creating that budget together, not putting in too many constraints so that you both agree on where you're spending your money is a fantastic idea to do. Now, this is where the most arguments are caused, and I completely understand that. Because of the luxuries. How many luxuries can you both have? Yes. And, you know, talking to my husband about, well, I want to be able to buy myself, you know, 10 coffees a month. And Mm -hmm. he'll say, well, I want to be able to save $500 a month. Two very different things. Mm. But once you've got all of your expenses on paper, what I found interesting, it's very hard to hide from that. So if you've got $1,000 coming in and your expenses are $900 going out, you can't hide from the fact that there's only $100 left over. So even if they want to go put $100 on the races or they want to spend $100 with their friends, they can't hide from the fact that if they do that, you will not save any money. Yes. So writing everything down, being very clear about your expenses so it's visible to both of you. Honesty is good. Yes. (laughs) You can't hide from that. Um, The fourth one is being kind. We don't come from the same walks of life. 
we don't come from the same money stories and we don't necessarily have the same goals. And as I was saying, that's okay. If you come into that conversation being defensive and aggressive, it's just going to end badly. Another way of doing it is in stages as well. So um, being respectful, being kind and acknowledging where your partner is coming from, perhaps for a certain expense, is good. Be nice. <laughs> um, Sounds simple, but it sometimes does. the emotions get, yes. you know, fired up, don't they? And that's why doing it in stages is really good. Perhaps the first time you have the conversation is to say, all right, what are your two goals for the next 12 months? Here are mine. Awesome. That's great. I think that's wonderful that that's what you want to achieve. Let's come back next Saturday and we'll talk about the budget. Let's come back next Saturday and perhaps talk about shares. Let's come back the next Saturday and talk about savings. So don't do it all in one lot because you need to have some time to think about it in between. Cool off perhaps. Yeah, cool (laughs) off. Let things digest. You know, you're not going to change the world in a week when it comes to money. So there's no harm in breaking it up into bite-sized pieces. Mm, Great advice. Um, And it also means that, you know, I mean, the money chart, it's heavy. It's a big beast. So breaking it up into bite-sized pieces can help. Mm. Um, And it also reduces that conflict. I love it. Yeah. And then the last one is checking in with one another. I think having that accountability in a relationship. I mean, for example, today I uh, sent my husband a message and I said, um, this amount of money came out of the account. Is this from you? And (laughs) Uh I think keeping each other accountable to say, you know, we spent $400 on that chair. Do you think that was a good idea? And nine times out of 10, they'll probably turn around and say, yeah, you know what, probably not a good idea. Instead of starting, you spent this amount of money, you shouldn't have done that. Why did you do that? Mm -hmm. Changing your wording, changing your conversation to say, do you think that was a good idea for us? Should we perhaps not do that in the future? And maintaining that accountability and also that responsibility to say, if we keep doing that, babe, hun, bunny, whatever you call them, (laughs) bubba, we're not going to be able to achieve that goal. You know how you wanted to buy the house? We're not going to be able to do that if we keep spending like this. What do you think? Mm. Um, And just like I said, be kind, acknowledge where they're coming from bring it back to the budget. You can't hide from the numbers. And sometimes we're human and we slip up. We see something really exciting in a window. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I'm not saying that these five tips are a silver bullet to a perfect budget chat whatsoever. It's a great start though. Yeah. Mm. I think, you know, emotion is always involved. Your money story always comes from a place of your childhood, from emotion, perhaps from grief or guilt. Money guilt is a big one. I certainly suffer from that. Mm. So I I've gone the opposite spectrum where I feel like I'm constantly trying to prove to my husband, see, I'm not spending on that and I'm not spending on that. (laughs) And whilst it has a great outcome when we're saving money, it's something that I'm learning. I'm not, you know, no one's perfect. So I think the biggest takeaway is if you slip up and you make a mistake on your budget or perhaps you overspend in an area, that's okay as long as that's not recurring every single week. Yeah, sure. You know, we're not perfect and your budget's not going to be perfect either, just like your summer diet's not going to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just getting back on that wagon and doing the best that you can every single week to get yourself in that great financial position for the future and is you the can, best you can do. And I was just going to ask, because I had a conversation with someone a couple of days ago saying that I was going to have you on, mm. and they were like, oh, what's the best time of year to budget? So mm. most people kind of think January mm. or maybe start of a new financial year, but it's any time of the year, just get yeah, started? Yeah, any time. I think most people tend to 
go towards January and February simply because it's the beginning of the year. You know, perhaps they finish the year on a big spending high with Christmas and New Year's. Mm. I actually think that's the most stressful time because it tends to be the time of year that people are in their most financial stress position. Mm. Perhaps they've overdone it on the credit card. So bringing in that kind of conversation tends to just add fuel to an already stressful environment. I tend to do it on a weekly basis. Okay. You know, in the same way that you go for a walk every day to clear your head, every Saturday I will, and it might be a five-minute chat where I just say, how do you think we're going? Do you think we could do better in this area? I'm thinking of buying shares in a month's time. What do you reckon? Yes or no? And it's a constant conversation. I think when you put a lot of pressure around, we need to have the budget chat. Mm. Oh, my goodness. That's my me. marriage is going to end. <laughs> um when you put that persona around the budget chat, you're doomed to fail. Mm. It's just a conversation and money just helps you live and you need it to work for you, not the other way around. So don't let it control your life or your relationship. That's not what it's meant for, you know, and just treat it like that. Be, that is... be casual with it. Yeah, such great <laughs> advice because I know from I, I'm sort of imaging stuff from my past where I've had the budget chats and yeah. it really is scary. And I, I probably thought in my mind that it's maybe, you know, once a year, once yeah. every six months perhaps. So the weekly idea mm. is great. Yeah, mm. just it's that constant check-in, maintaining that communication with your partner and also signalling to your partner that having an ongoing conversation about your financial position is just part of your routine. It's not this big, bad, scary black thing that's sitting in the corner like an ugly spider that'll come out and bite you, but just a conversation that you have as part of your relationship in the same way that you have a conversation when you try and negotiate, okay, well, who's going to park the car? Who's going to go get the groceries? Who's going to take the dog for a walk? If you blend it into every other part of your routine, then it will become part of your routine and you'll sort of decrease that pressure and the stress levels. And a part of that means that your anxiety towards money will also decrease and your money will naturally start to work for you because it's folding into your life and your budget will fold into your life as well. Well, you're giving us all lots of hope. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I need it. I must admit. We can all do it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'm getting excited about my finances. <laughs> um, now, I do have a question mm. for you is, you know, you're talking about with your personal experience with your hubby mm. that you have got a joint account. Mm. Do you recommend that or do you still have a little bit of money on the side? What's your idea around that? Um, like I said, you know, we were together for a long time before we ever had a joint account. And I have to say, I really enjoyed the independence of knowing that someone wasn't in the account watching every single time I bought a coffee or did something that wasn't per the budget. But everybody's different. I've got friends who are in relationships for six months and they're joining an account together because that's their way of showing commitment to one another. Mm. For us, we needed that side independence. So even today, we both have our separate accounts where our individual salaries or pays get paid into. And then it's both on us to contribute equal amounts into our what we call our bill account. Mm, so like therefore, that. you're still maintaining a bit of control, a bit of independence. And then it's also on the other person to contribute half into the bill account. 
I like it that way. It's not for everybody. That would work for me too. Yeah. I don't think I could have all of it in the one account. I yeah. think that would be too scary. <laughs> now, I've been following you on Instagram and yes. there's a post that I absolutely loved and I wanted to share this with our listeners before we wrap it up and that was your cost per wear <laughs> theory. So yes. tell us about you wearing a gown oh, to the movies. Oh, my goodness. This is so cute. <laughs> so about six years ago, I bought a gown that was quite expensive and I said to my husband, don't worry, cost per wear means that the value of that gown will go down. And he was like, yeah, whatever, you'll just wear that once and then it'll sit in the closet (laughs) like all the other gowns that you have. So I thought, bugger it. One Saturday morning I got up and I put the gown on and he said, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm cleaning the house, obviously. And so I cleaned the house in this full-on sequin gown. I'm talking <laughs> low back, train, sequin situation. And I said, see, Cosper wears now down to, you know, $300. <laughs> and um, he dared me. He's like, oh, God, how funny would it be if you wore that to the movies? And I said, is that a dare? <laughs> and... Um, I said, you're on, mate, because that'll bring my cost per wear down to $150. He was absolutely mortified. But again, it brought my cost per wear value down. So I won that one. I (laughs) love that so much. When I saw it, you've got a baseball cap on as well with this amazing gown. And it made me laugh out loud. That doesn't happen very often on mine. But I was like, oh, my goodness, what is she doing? It resonated with so many people, I think. Um, When you're purchasing sort of those high-value items (laughs) to reduce the cost or to make – it's more just to justify the purchase itself. (laughs) I think every time I wear it, my cost per wear goes down and it becomes a more economical purchase. Well, you might be starting a new trend. (laughs) There might be women all across Australia wearing their gowns to the movie cinema from now on. Yep. (laughs) Who cares? I look forward to seeing that. Yes. It's very entertaining. (laughs) I've got one other question that I just remembered. What if you are dating an absolute tight ass? Mm. (laughs) How do we get around that when we're doing the budget chat? That is such a hard question. Um, My husband, he calls himself frugal. I say he's cheap. Um, He's very, very, very good with money. So he would prefer to get a pair of shorts sewn up than actually go out and buy himself a new pair of shorts. Yeah, right. Or wears the socks till they're totally fully hold. Yeah. So I'm also very good with money as well. So generally my comment will be that's the way that you manage your money. Mm Mm-hmm. I work extremely hard for my money and you can see the budget shows that we have enough savings and, you know, we're making our budget work for us. So if I want to allocate this $50 or this $100 to myself every fortnight or week or whatever and I come home with a new top or a new pair of pants, then that's okay because I've earned that Mm. and I've worked for that. Okay. And it's part of the budget. And, you know, nine times out of ten, he'll say, yeah, that's fine. You don't need to ask for my approval. But, you know, again, having that constant conversation around, I know that's what you think, but this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. What do you think? Means that we're not getting to that one point in the year. And he's like, oh, my goodness, you spent $3,000 on clothes, Mm. even though it was, you know, within my budget for the entire year, creating an argument out of that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Great advice. All right. Conversation. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I know we could talk about this for a long time, but we're going to wrap it up and uh, it's time for the shameless plug. All right. (laughs) Tell us what services you provide. 
Uh, come to www.fearlessfemaletraders.com.au where we have amazing blogs, budgets to download, investing ebooks for the beginner, events, all sorts of amazing goodness, an incredible community of women all empowering each other and lifting each other up um, when it comes to their financial journey and their money story. So come check us out. We're really nice and kind and get your money on. I love it. And oh, you've been so great to chat with today. Thank, Thank you for your you time. Too. I've had so much fun. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so check out that website one more time, fearlessfemaletraders.com.au. Have you become a VIP sister via our website yet? We've already given away shopping vouchers, a beautiful leather bag and a professional studio microphone. So what's up for grabs this month? Find out via the win page, bigsisaustralia.com. <laughs>